This is the Brothers on Books podcast, the greatest podcast with the best brothers talking about the best books. Please welcome your hosts, Jack and Alex, the Brothers on Books. What it do, what it do. This is the Brothers on Books podcast, where we find great books that will give you real value and actionable steps and have fun in the process. Please reach out to us at brothersonbooks at gmail.com for any book recommendations, or if you'd like to be a guest host for a particular book you have in mind. A great review or rating on whichever platform you're listening to this would be greatly appreciated. And lastly, if you can think of any friend, family member, or coworker that might like this episode, please pass it along. I'm Jack Allwile, and with me, as always, is my brother, Alex Allwile. Hey, Al, how, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well, Jack. How are you? good you know we're we're going through snowmageddon here in charlotte uh so we'll, we'll see how today goes <laughs> we had uh we had some pretty intense rains last night and i think i actually read on the weather report we're also supposed to get snow here as well tonight which will be uh be pretty interesting all the bread and uh milk is are probably already gone <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm assuming with just rain here, I think probably there's a run on the grocery store. So we'll see how this goes. Interessant. Well, let's get down to the business. What what book are we reading today? Uh, so today we're doing the book on Grand Strategy by John Lewis Gaddis. So I guess Dr. Gaddis is best known for being an author about uh, Cold War books. But he also has taught a little bit about strategy. He has a PhD in history. He briefly taught at the Indiana University of Southeast, where he then became the uh, professor of strategy at the Naval War College, and where he currently has a position at Yale teaching, uh, teaching strategy. So I picked this book in our book draft. And the way, the way I came about it is I... I had read a blurb about Dr. Gaddis's seminar he taught on, which is just called On Grand Strategy, which was supposedly the most sought after class at all of Yale. And I thought, you know, I heard about this book uh, probably when it came out in 20, I think, 18, and I never really got to reading it. And then I think you suggested something to me and I put it into Amazon. And then this book popped up again as a, uh, suggested reading book. And I just figured, you know, I would maybe try and go to it uh, after I'd heard about it. Well, that said, I guess, Jack, how did you, uh, what were your thoughts after finishing? How did you feel? This unfortunately was one of the books I couldn't make it all the way through. Uh, I thought, um, I mean, there's, there's always going to be some books that you don't like super connect with. And I think this was one, or I actually will say the, the first chapter I liked, it just felt a little bit repetitive. I did like some of the messages. Uh, yeah. Well, what did you think? I mean, I felt like I had a lot of expectations for this book. I felt like it was well-reviewed and in my, in my mind, sort of from what I heard of it, there was a lot of hype, but yeah, I thought it was kind of, I thought it ended up kind of being a dud. It sort of reminded me, if you think back to our second episode of the 50th law, it kind of reminded me the style, at least how he tells stories kind of was reminiscent to me of how Robert Greene writes, except uh, I would say not as well. You yeah, mean I, how he, he paints a picture to start right. off the chapter and then tries it's, to come up with some, some takeaway from that. Yeah. Right. 
but the only problem was that every chapter in Robert Green book, like in Robert Green's books, I felt like have different messages or different sort of strategies and philosophies. I, I felt like the same strategy kind of applied to all, you know, better part of 300 pages of this book. And plus, I just I thought the writing was I thought it was just hard to get through the right like his writing style um, was difficult for me to read. But yeah, yeah. I, I agree. The first, the first couple of chapters I enjoyed and then it just became, yeah, in my opinion, it just sort of became like the same thing being reiterated over and over again. Yeah. It made me, made me feel my, my vocabulary wasn't quite up to snuff also. <laughs> right. <laughs> so probably, um, probably one of the, one of the funniest thoughts I had after going through this was after, I mean, you had, you had told me you just read skin in the game. And I think after I finished this, I downloaded that and I listened to it. And as I was listening to it, Tleb, Tleb made some comment about uh, literary critics where he doesn't feel like a lot of literary critics actually read the books and things are just on hype. And after listening or listening to that, I was like, you know, maybe he's right. Maybe the people that reviewed this book didn't actually read it because you know, it, it came off so well. And I just was like, this is just, maybe it's just not for us, I guess. Uh, Cause I did not really enjoy it. I will say I, I listened to a couple of his podcasts in preparation for this. And I would say, I like listening to him talk about some of these features and takeaways more than I liked the book, <laughs> but I, I thought yeah. some, some of the discussions were pretty interesting actually. Yeah, I would agree. Some of his, he had some YouTube videos where he talked about this stuff and that was, I thought, a lot more, uh, it was just a lot more easy to get through um, than his writing. I think his his writing style is, I think, what I had a problem with. It was just hard, hard to get through for me. Yeah. Well, maybe we should discuss the definition of strategy and then what would make a strategy grand per se. And he kept bringing up this like maybe seesaw or balancing thing between capabilities and aspirations. Is that what kind of how you saw what he was? I I don't know if he actually ever like defined it, but I, I kind of took like that. That's how he defined like a strategy. It's like lining up your aspirations and your capabilities and your aspirations are kind of like, you know, sky's the limit, but your capabilities are, limited by means yeah yeah like so you can't i mean i think probably the most uh the one that sticks out with me is the first chapter he talks about xerxes the king of king of persia where he goes you know xerxes and xerxes mind his aspirations could be you know to build to build a, a temple on the moon and like that's great and all but you know you're limited by the capabilities of your time and place which is kind of a, a Common thought. So whether a strategy is grand or not is basically just the magnitude of the decision, I guess, or maybe just the perceived magnitude. So like if you're just deciding whether to, I don't know, what to get for dinner, like your strategy, like, I don't know, ordering a pizza or something. That, that's not really all that grand. I, I don't, is that kind of how you took it? Just the, the magnitude of the strategy? Yeah, the, the magnitude. And then I would say there's a time component, like over what time duration you're doing these things on. I mean, he talks about near the, I don't know if you got to this part, but near the end of the book, he talks about FDR a lot. And he talks about FDR going out from like essentially the mid 
third of the early to mid thirties up into his third term in the mid forties, you know, that's a long, that's a long time duration, especially for American presidents. And he sort of talks about him in very glowing terms about how, you know, he was politically like exceptional and it was a very, I guess in his words, a grand strategy. So I guess the main, I, I thought the main, and I think part of the problem why I had the problem with the book was I thought the main takeaway of this book was this distinction between a fox and a hedgehog and how he defines these two animals. So people who think like foxes are people who, I guess, for lack of a better word, are able to, they know a little bit about a real lot of things and they're able to sort of bring together many, many different data points from their lives, where a hedgehog is someone who knows a real lot about one thing. They're, they're very focused on like one goal. Mm-hmm. And I guess the main part of the book was that, or the main thesis of the book was like, how you really need to have both types of attributes in decision-making when you're making decisions, not just be either a fox or be a hedgehog. So I guess going back to the original, the first chapter with Xerxes, you know, he, he defines Xerxes as a hedgehog, someone who just is very focused on like conquering Greece and he's going to conquer Greece at all costs and whatever gets in his way, he'll just move through. So he gives this example of, you know, having builders build bridges over, you know, lakes and rivers and ocean and seas. And he has his army flatten, you know, flatten forests, flatten t- topography so they can try across it. So he would be defined, in, I guess, in the uh, Gaddis's world as a hedgehog versus his uncle, Artabatis. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, who was defined as a fox, someone who sort of thinks about all of the possible problems that they could face while moving an army of Xerxes size, which is allegedly like a million men across the sea and across different enemy lands. Like how are they going to feed it? Where are they going to get water from all of these, you know, historical problems of supply chain for armies. Mm-hmm. And it was the problems of like, why did they fail? And they failed because, you know, Xerxes didn't have the foresight to sort of foresee some of these potential problems that his uncle saw. So he didn't really plan for them. And then the uncle didn't really have the, the long sight to see like what Xerxes was trying to attempt to advise him and how to maybe make these dreams come to fruition. I don't know. Do you have any, uh, do you have any different thoughts or do you have anything else you wanted to add to that? Yeah. So, so the, the, the quote is the Fox knows many things, but the hedgehog knows one big thing. I thought it kind of, and he talks about being able to keep multiple ideas in your head. And I think that's kind of, Fox like, and I think that was the book of five rings. We actually talked about that a lot, like being able to keep multiple ideas in your head at the same time and not go crazy. Well, um, multiple opposing ideas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. And, but yeah, like if you were just, I guess, determined to bulldoze through a forest, may, maybe a, a better, maybe route would be to do some slight reconnaissance mission and see if you could just walk around the forest to begin with. I, I don't know, but, but yeah, it's, it's being flexible. And I don't know, do you consider yourself more hedgehog or more Fox? <laughs> I mean, seeing this is part of the problem I had with the book is cause like, I don't think, 
you know, I see, I see parts of it. I see parts of both in myself. And I don't think any person is just one thing. Mm-hmm. I almost think of it as more as like sort of being a generalist versus a specialist mm-hmm. uh, in that type of back from uh, early retirement extreme. Like in my profession, yeah, I know a real lot about one very specialized field. But in my life, yeah, I feel like I have a lot of just sort of, I, I know a lot about a lot of different things. And I think the key takeaway of the book is that you have to have both, not only not necessarily good decision-making, but in good like leadership and how you lead your life. Like you have to have, I guess the takeaway for me was you have to have a goal in mind that you want to achieve. And that's sort of like the hedgehog part. But then the Fox part is how you adapt to the, the unknown adversities that come up in your path to get there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, I think probably the, actually I, I talked about Xerxes, but I think probably the better example he gives is of Lincoln navigating how to get the 13th amendment uh, passed. And he just sort of says like, you know, Lincoln had, had a goal in his mind and that's his North star, like his guiding principle, but he was able to, he was able to like read the train and just sort of like what you were saying, like bypass, walk around swamps, walk around forests to get there instead of just walking straight to it, he was able to sort of navigate around them. What about you? How would you define yourself? Well, I I guess I'll first say, I don't think he was trying to like maybe pigeonhole every person in one either fox or hedgehog bucket, but it was just kind of as a backdrop to think about. But like, sometimes I do think that maybe um, too, I I do get caught up in being a, I guess, hedgehog in the sense that I, I was when I started the actuarial exams, like I couldn't get out of my head that I had to finish and I'm done now, but so I'm happy I'm done, but maybe, I mean, there's other ways to like, I get, and when I started, I think it was really to become, I don't, I don't really know, self-sufficient, independent, wealthy, whatever, but there were probably other ways I could have gone about it that might've been quicker. Um, but I, I couldn't let it go that I needed to get through it. And I mean, I'm happy I'm through them now, but it's just kind of interesting to think about maybe someone hurting themselves along the way to get something that might be a little easier to do elsewhere. It's funny. It's funny you say that. I actually, I was just having this conversation. I felt the same way about grad school. Like, I think probably uh, two thirds of the way through grad school, I, I just felt like I had to finish at all costs, but I don't think I really wanted to be there anymore. But I just kept going, thinking sort of the same way, like I've put all this time into it. I need to finish so I can kind of reap the benefits of everything that I've worked for. Uh, But yeah, you're right. I think I think I definitely uh, had a lot of different options that I could have gone through to reach probably my final goals. I mean, but at the same time, I, I did change like my studying habits a little bit from time to time based on you know, all the, f- the failings I, I had. <laughs> so I guess in that sense, it was a little Fox like, but, but now I feel like now that you're done with your grad school and I'm done with my exams, it gives us time to like reset and reevaluate and figure out the best route. Go to the, the next journey. Yes. The next adventure. Yes. On that note, you want to take us to a pickleball ad? <laughs> pickleball. The greatest sport you've never heard of. Pickleball is a mix between tennis Badminton and table tennis. But don't let the average age of the competitor in this sport fool you. Only the will of a champion can thrive. So go pick up some paddles and balls and play pickleball. The greatest sport you've never heard of.
So Jack, have you been uh have you been playing with the wife at all lately? I know you uh, just got a you just got a new paddle. I also just got a new paddle. Did I did on uh, from your uh well, I don't know recommendation, but you 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 had this paddle, so I I hopped on the I don't need well what what is it? It's a pad, paddle tech uh paddle paddle tech paddle. Yeah, so it's pretty nice. We we started uh we hope to continue doing a Thursday night pickleball with just just a guys group though, but. The, the wife and I will still go play. But okay. What about you? You still playing a lot? Uh, I haven't played this weekend. I'm probably going to try and play. I don't have work tomorrow because of MLK Day. So I'll probably try and play tomorrow. It'll probably at the rate the weather's going, it's probably going to have to be indoor, which is fine. Yeah, still like to play. Still my favorite thing to do. I don't know. That that was sort of all I had to talk about for this yeah. book. Did you did, have anything else you wanted to talk about? I, I did think there were some good quotes in here. I will say that. And this goes back to holding the two ideas in your head, but he, he kind of used that to define first-rate intelligence, the ability to hold two opposed ideas in the mind at the same time and still retain the ability to function. Um, that was a that was an F. Scott Fitzgerald quote, I believe, from the Great yeah. Gatsby. Yeah. Thank you. You are good, Al. I uh-huh. think that is what it said. Yes, it did. F. Scott Fitzgerald. Um, I mean, I guess just going over the book... I mean, the one the one chapter I would say he talks about Augustus. I think that was chapter two or about how Augustus, uh, sorry, Octav- Octavian. And I guess Octavian becomes Augustus. I'm yeah, not entirely I sure right, on that's, that. That's right. Yeah. But I enjoyed that, that chapter where he sort of, as a young boy, circumvents all of Caesar's other political enemies and then eventually becomes like the one true ruler of Rome on how he lived a long and like plentiful life. I really enjoy that chapter. He had a chapter on Lincoln, which I thought was enjoyable, or he talks about Lincoln a lot. I don't know if it was a full chapter, but Lincoln going to get slavery abolished. That was, that was interesting. I thought and some of Lincoln had some of these debates he had in the old, uh, political scheme, uh, political, like how they used to do debates and how Lincoln kind of like rose up through the ranks through that. Uh, I thought that was interesting to read. But yeah, that was, that was honestly really it for me. I would say it wasn't, I felt like it was very much a book written by an academic for other academics. I, I like this. I, I like this Xerxes quote too, actually. I don't exactly remember. I think someone's trying to talk him out of doing something or saying like, no, you didn't think about this. You didn't think about that. Yeah. That would have been his uncle. Yeah. His uncle. And he Xerxes replied, if you were to take account of everything, you would never do anything. It is better to have a brave heart and endure one half of the terrors we dread than calculate all the terrors and suffer nothing at all. Big things are won by big dangers. And that's kind of goes back to, and we've talked about this too. Like there's no, there's no way to make like a perfect decision. Like you'll never have all the facts. At like some point you just have to decide and go. You got to take a leap of faith. And yes, I also don't really, I mean, I guess I'll think about this, but like in terms of capability, like the whole thing on strategy is aligning like capabilities with aspirations, but how, how do you actually figure out objectively your capabilities? Like who, like that, that's the one thing, like who, who is someone to say like this person is capable of this or uh, it's um, it's just hard to be like real with yourself on some of these things. I think a lot of it just comes down to doing right. Like, cause I think in this example, well, in the example of that book, I think 
he probably overestimated his capabilities. But I think the normal layperson probably underestimates their capabilities. You probably think that you can't do something. And then I think most people probably would attempt it or attempt to do things. And then they find that they probably actually can do things or find people that can help you achieve things. Like, I don't know, would you have thought like when you went, just went and bought this last, you know, sort of apartment complex, would you have thought that you could own and run an apartment complex like before you did it? I mean, I, I guess just from, I, I guess I did think I could, but it was more just from listening to other people do it. So I guess, I mean, years, like 10 years ago, maybe I would not have thought it. Yeah. It's kind of, it's not black and white. I, and I, I think, I, I think a better thing for me is I didn't think there was like, I never thought I would run like a half marathon, but then when I just got started with like the, tra- like a training schedule and then I was able to do it like that kind of, that actually did surprise me. Okay. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. That, one, that one's kind of, I guess I never right. thought of a strategy as aligning aspirations and capabilities. I mean, I sort of, I sort of always go back actually to, I don't remember what rule it was, but the 50th law where 50 says you gotta, you gotta move before you're ready. Yeah. And you'll kind of, I mean, that's, I guess in many regards, like such a total like hedgehog philosophy, but it sort of goes back to what, I guess, what you you just read, but if you don't ever try, like you'll never know. So with that, should we close it out? I think, yeah, I think this was probably a shorter episode. I think I'm probably good to close it out. Okay. Please reach out to us at brothersonbooks at gmail.com for any book recommendations, or if you'd like to be a guest host for a particular book you have in mind, a great review or rating on whichever platform you're listening to this would be greatly appreciated. And lastly, if you think of any friend, family member, or coworker that might like this episode, please pass it along. So next time in two weeks, we will be reading Bad Karma by Paul Wilson. And this book sounds nuts and we'll have Paul on. It sounds like he had coffee with El Chapo. <laughs> have, you, have you started reading it? I, I have not, but I'm... Uh, I, I read you? the first... I read the first 10 pages. It was, it was quite good. I mean, I I like that his dedication is to his grandchildren telling them not to read the book until they're old enough to (laughs) (laughs) sort of realize like how messed up some of the stuff he did was. Yeah. But basically this is a surf trip gone to Mexico or going to Mexico gone wrong. It should be good. I think, I think it will be good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I am Jack Alwell. With me is Alex Awa, and we are saying goodbye. See you, Jack.